the Hill Country Patriot. He's a native Texan, president of the Fredericksburg Tea Party, a student of Ben Franklin and John Locke, and he's a Christian conservative political activist. He's a true believer in the principles that this country was founded upon and comes to you every day to guide, advise, and lead you to become involved in the greatest political experiment in the history of our planet, self-governance. We don't get fooled again. He's Matt Long, and this is The Matt Long Show. Good morning, folks. So happy to be here with you today. Another beautiful day in the Hill Country because you woke up in the Hill Country. You didn't wake up in New Jersey uh, or uh, Wisconsin. You woke up in the Hill Country of Texas. God bless Texas, and God has blessed us for giving us such a fine home. So uh, we got a lot of things on your calendar today. Of course, September 18th, we're going to talk about that here in a second. But on Friday, September 17th at 10 a.m. at the uh, Veterans of Foreign Wars Post 7105, uh, that's located in uh, Fredericksburg on South Washington Street. They're going to have a POWMIA table and guest speaker. Uh, the speaker is going to be a fellow named Dr. Joseph E. Milligan. He is a colonel in uh, a retired colonel in the Air Force and uh, he is uh, he has put in a lot of service uh, 24 years of active duty and um, think this will be a really really good presentation and if you've never seen the POWMIA table um, it is a special table that's been set up as if a meal were all ready to be served and it's uh, usually done very beautifully. And uh, just to stop and, and see the empty seat at the dinner table, I believe it was during World War II when our president said something about to the effect of that it's not really how many, you know, if it's in the thousands or hundreds, how many people died in the, in the battle. It is only that one empty seat at the table that really brings it all home because you know one one death is is a disaster a thousand deaths is uh, just a statistic but when it's the empty place in your home it is not just a statistic and so setting up the POWMIA table is a real big deal and very special so that is at 10 a.m. at the VFW in uh, South Washington in Fredericksburg. Of course, Saturday, 918, Boots and Barbecue. We are so thrilled. We have sold out. If there are any tickets left, it'll only be, uh, seriously, maybe five tickets left. The only way you're going to find out is to go to FredericksburgTeaParty.org and click on the link to purchase tickets. And uh, if you haven't gotten your ticket, Yet, it's really late. I hope there's one or two tickets left for you. Also on the calendar on September 25th, and you know, I give you these dates way out, and I keep the details until we get a lot closer. So basically, when I'm out more than a week, I'm just going to give you the date and the uh, something to write on your calendar. And then as we get closer and as we approach the event, I'll fill in all the details. So on Saturday the 25th, um, the March to the Border 
in uh, McAllen, and uh, that is going to be a rally in McAllen. That is a Saturday, and they're going to end up, uh, they're going to form a human chain down at the border to make a point. So could be very interesting. I know for those of us in the Hill Country, it's a, you know, it's about a five-hour drive for most of us in the Hill Country. So a big commitment, maybe make something special out of it and take your family down there with you to McAllen. And, um, yeah, Saturday the 25th, as we get closer, I'll give you more details. But you can certainly put that on your calendar. Another thing that's on farther down the road um, that you can also put on your calendar is a is a um, border invasion awareness rally that is going to be happening in uh, Kerrville. And so the date on that, let me see if I can get it pulled up here. The date on that is uh, Sunday, October 17th. And uh, the confirmed speakers are Mike Miller with Warriors for Ranchers and Lieutenant Colonel Raul Reyes um, from a board, uh, Border Patrol. We've had him on this program before. George Rodriguez, El Conservador. I hope you've listened to some of his podcasts. He's absolutely amazing. He has spoken at the Fredericksburg Tea Party several times. We have also had him on the air on this program. Sheena Rodriguez is going to be there. And if you were listening uh, this Monday of this week, you heard our interview with Sheena Rodriguez. And uh, she's a fireball, and uh, this is the burr under her saddle, and she's doing everything she can to get there. Also, Brent Smith, who is a Kenny County attorney, um, he was the one who authored uh, the first border disaster declaration. And uh, I've heard him speak three or four times at these rallies. It's uh, really good to hear from actually someone who is actually in the government, in the government, who uh, has something intelligent to say about what's going on at the border. Brent Smith, well worth um, um, hearing him speak. And uh, this is going to be out at Gravity Check, uh, Sunday, October 17th. Go ahead and get that on your calendar. Um, if you know any of the sheriffs in uh, any of the counties around here and you know them well, uh, do me a favor, invite them. Make sure they know about this rally and uh, see if they can't get down there. We, it's so important for sheriffs to hear and see uh, these kind of events and uh, get more of a, I guess, more of an understanding of what the rest of us who are paying attention know what's going on down at the border and how it's really going to start affecting us in the hill country. We are now already starting to see folks who have actually made it the hundred and so many miles from the border through the brush and the back roads or what have you. They're now uh, showing up in our hill country. Several stories about that showing up in our hill country. So any of our sheriffs that can get educated on this is going to be helpful on that. And so that is Sunday, October 17th. Go ahead and uh, get that on your calendar. I'm going to leave us with a little bit of Ben Franklin before we take a short break. So here we go. It's Ben uh, in 1740. An open foe may prove a curse, but a pretended friend is worse. Y'all stay tuned, folks. We'll be right back.
Okay, we are back. Thank you so much for staying tuned. And if you don't know it by now, you can uh, download or listen to these daily programs uh, by going to Spotify or Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts. And I get my program posted up there every day. I clean out the um, news and the weather and uh, put it up for you for your listening pleasure. So search for The Matt Long Show on Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Apple Podcasts. Hey, do you all remember back when uh, years ago and we first started hearing about those preppers? I remember when I first met Steve Lehman and his sister and uh, talking to them about the preppers, the first thing I asked them was, okay, do I need to bring my own aluminum foil hat or will those be supplied? And, you know, it was kind of halfway joking, but, you know, that was the attitude a number of years back when um, folks started to say, well, we need to be prepared and and and. Many of us read that as be prepared for Armageddon, be prepared for the end of the world, be prepared for some apocalyptic event. And uh, I remember even talking to people who said, well, if I end up in some apocalyptic event, I may not want to live through it. And, And so over the years, as we have learned, as I have learned, that's not what the preppers we're all about. Uh, the preppers in most cases, now that we've gotten to know them and understand what they're talking about, has to do with just common sense things you should be ready for. And I, I have to say that, you know, if you've grown up in a first world country, if you've never lived in a foreign country, uh, the idea that your power might be out for more than a few minutes is almost a silly notion, isn't it? I mean, we think about it, and we have an electrical storm, and the power goes out, and, you know, everybody calls, and within, you know, 15 minutes or within a couple of hours, the power's back on and everything's okay. I've actually lived in a third-world country, and, um, yeah, uh, power, the electricity was a nice thing when it was on. And when it wasn't on, there really wasn't anybody to call. It's just, yep, well, the power's off. Um, yeah, let's uh, keep moving. And so it, for us in a first world country, um, we're so used to power and water being at our fingertips that so many people were caught off guard during this last winter storm. And it, I, I have to say that my wife and I had started doing some of the minor prepping stuff for short-term prepping um, probably a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, we sillyly started out by buying extra canned food. And, uh, you know, that was nice. And, uh, of course, we didn't rotate it as well as we needed to. And finally, at some point in time, with those boxes of uh, peaches and Vienna sausages under the bed, we decided maybe we needed to look at something that made a little more sense. And so we did go the freeze-dried food route and uh, have started purchasing freeze-dried food. And uh, that, that is part of our prepping. And no, I'm not going to tell you where, we, where our secret stash is. But uh, let's put it this way. Gail and I could lock ourselves in the house for about a month um, and not have to leave. And so that, uh, and if we shared with our neighbors, take that down to about two weeks. 
But the, the, the types of things that we're preparing for here specifically in the Hill Country, as we have seen, two weeks is kind of almost the outer limit. I mean, Yuri, I, I knew people who were out of power for, I, I don't know, seven, eight, nine, ten days, um, maybe longer. Um, I knew people that were out of power but not out of water. Um, and out of water but not out of power. A lot of different uh, circumstances around that. Everybody found themselves in different different modes. Um, and so we had water because of our. We have a. We're off of a, operate off of a community well, a local well that services, I believe, maybe a hundred homes. I'm not too sure. And so we had water through most of that event in Uri um, until it got later into Uri and uh, we did not have water. And so part of our, when we started getting more prepared for short-term um, for short-term preparation, we bought uh, some 10 five-gallons food-grade water containers. And the idea and the way I've done it, you may have different instructions or different ideas, is, well, you, you clean the container out really good with a little bleachy water, and, and then you uh, fill it up with water and then add a little bit of uh, bleach to the top of it. One thing I learned that uh, after water sits a while, it does not taste as fresh. It has kind of a flat taste to it. And I learned that all you have to do is shake the container up a little bit, and that flat taste goes away. So the other thing that I was told, and again, you may have different information than I do, but just, uh, you know, clean those uh, jugs out every six months or so. Dump the water into the garden, into your yard or what have you, and, and then... Uh, refill them and reclean them and do the whole bleaching process again and just add a little bit of the bleach to the water and then uh, tighten it throw, uh, and, and tighten the cap on it and uh, store it away. So one of the things that happened, and I've made this confession already over the air, is that we have 10 of those uh, water containers, so we have 50 gallons available for my wife and I, which should be about two weeks' worth of water you know, of course, you're not going to be taking a bath in that every day, but uh, you've got enough to get by for two weeks for ten uh, for two people, unless you have unusual uh, water needs. And so, here's what happened to me. I had been real faithful about cleaning out and moving all the uh, and and changing the water out after a while, and we used those containers to go camping. And uh, we were in a move once. We were moving. And uh, so rather than move 50 gallons of full water, uh, of you know, 50 gallons of water, um, I dumped the water and we moved in to the new place. And uh, I put the empty containers back in, uh, back in our storage shed. And uh, when it came time to go camping, I remember I filled two of them, and uh, we took them with us camping. And then when we got back home, I topped off uh, the one we had used and uh, put it back in there. So end of the story is that when Yuri hit, we only had 10 gallons of water as, as, as opposed to the 50 that I should have been prepared for. So when our water ran out and I had to go out and get that jug of water out of our storage and bring it into the house, 
Let me tell you, I, my wife had said several times, Matt, please go fill up all the water containers. And, yeah, well, that just didn't always get done right away. It didn't get done. And so we went into Uri with only 10 gallons of water. It worked out. We emptied the first jug and made it uh, through most of the second jug. That's when I started getting nervous because the last thing I wanted to tell Gail was that uh, I had failed to fill the other eight containers. All right, friends, I have with me on the line right now Mr. Stephen Lehman with the Hill Country Preppers. How are you doing today, Steve? I'm doing great, Matt. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, so you've got a meeting tonight, and, I, man, I'm really sorry I'm going to be missing this one. You've, uh, I think there's going to be some cooking involved, some preserving involved. Did I, did I get that right? I'm not sure how much uh, cooking she's actually going to be doing, but Stacey uh, Whitmore is going to be talking about uh, canning, preserving, uh, fermenting, and uh, generally uh, food preservation and food storage in general. Uh, she's always had a good presentation, and we're looking forward to having her back. Having her back. Excuse me. All right. Well, good deal. That does sound good. I like that uh, fermentation process. You know, that's done a lot in the Middle Eastern countries where you where you know no refrigeration and and you get a lot of foods preserved through either fermentation or preserved in oil. That's going to be very interesting. A little bit different twist than uh, putting up peaches in uh, mason jars. So tell us a little bit about the Hill Country Preppers, if we have some folks that are listening that are not familiar with your organization. Uh, teaching emergency preparedness uh, for a little over nine years now. We started in 2012, uh, and uh, we cover a different topic every month, uh, food, water, emergency communications, evacuations, uh, financial preparedness, which we're doing next month. Uh, and several other topics, and we kind of rotate through a bunch of stuff, and we include current events like hurricanes and winter freezes and things like that. We're just trying to get people more prepared for the average everyday emergencies and disasters. So when we talk about long-term and short-term emergency preparedness, would you uh, explain to me what uh, what those two terms mean? Well, short-term emergency preparedness is uh, a car accident um, uh, or a medical emergency, something that happens to you uh, and you're over it quickly, uh, and, but you, you may have uh, or may not have the resources to recover quickly. Uh, uh, you've, got, uh, you've got thunderstorms. You've got uh, hurricanes that, are, that go through and affect you for a day or two. Uh, the winter freeze, on the other hand, is more of a, uh, it's still considered short term, you know, one, one, a few days to a, a couple of weeks. Uh, and then there are the longer term emergencies where, if, for example, if your house burns down, uh, you, you know, you're, you're basically borrowing a place to live for a few months until you can rebuild or move. So, uh, we teach the, the full range of, of short-term and, and long-term preparedness. Uh, and, you know, everybody's resources are different and, and uh, things like that, but, but it, it, uh, it's something that everybody needs to address at one time or another. 
Yeah, I think uh, I think a lot of us learned uh, during this uh, Yuri during the winter storm. I told a story the other day about one of my friends who who lost power for quite some time, and they got a big old fireplace in their house, but uh, they had no firewood. And so, you know, you uh, even things as simple as that are so important and came up to be so important during Yuri. We were out of water for uh, for close to five or six days, and I fortunately had a few gallons set up. Um, not near enough. If our water shortage had been out, say, two weeks, I would have run out of water that I had stored. And the sad thing is I had the ability to store more water. I had the containers, but they were all empty. How many, how many stories do you hear like that? Oh, I heard a bunch. Uh, I know a guy uh, who has a solar house. His, his, his power comes from 100% solar, and he was without power for 12 hours because he forgot about snow on his solar panels. So tell us where and when. This is tonight, and where are you all meeting and what time? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, tonight, uh, 6 p.m. at Buzzy's. Uh, we meet every third Thursday uh, of each month, uh, except when there's something like COVID or a winter storm to, to shut us down. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, we always meet at Buddy's at 6 p.m. on the third Thursday of every month. All right, that sounds good. And I would suggest that you go early, get yourself a plate of barbecue, get both desserts. That way you don't have to pick between one or the other. And uh, show some support for Buzzies, who has shown so much support, not only for the Hill Country Preppers, but numerous other folks that use that facility. So, Steve, great job what you and your sister are doing. We really appreciate it. And uh, thank you for still being here. Yeah, thank you, Matt. Uh, we enjoy what we're doing, and we think it's important to keep the uh, – community uh, informed and involved in emergency preparedness. All right, there you go. Stephen Lehman tonight at 6 o'clock at Buzzy's Barbecue in Kerrville. Go early, order a plate of barbecue, and get both desserts. All right, Steve, thank you very much, sir. You're welcome. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, folks, for staying tuned. So happy to still be with you. You know, I mentioned uh, the last few days about um, lots of uh, lots of whining and no action items, and that was one thing I said yesterday's program that if if all I'm doing is whining, then I'm not doing my job, and that's not why I came here. I came here to get you engaged in the process, to go from yelling at your TV to actually doing something. And by the way, I have been uh, receiving quite a few texts and emails of people who called Dade Phelan's office and Governor Abbott's office. And good news, actually one of them actually got through to a real human being in Dade Phelan's office and 
was able to uh, read them the riot act and so very uh, very thankful uh, for uh, the folks that did that I appreciate that a whole lot um, and I, I kind of want to carry on in this theme today um, because this is very important to me this is uh, oh this is a, a pet peeve if you want to if if you want to look at, at, at it this way this is a pet peeve of mine and uh, I'm gonna go to the well, I'm going to go to the Declaration of Independence here in a minute, but first I'm going to go to something many of us are familiar with, and those are resolutions. So if you've taken a resolution to city council or your county commissioners or um, even not only resolutions, but for example, the governor's uh, orders, our governor's executive orders, and resolutions we see all are kind of laid out the same way. And here's how they're laid out. You have a whole bunch of whereas's. Whereas this, whereas that, whereas the other thing. And so they go through the whereas the whereas's in uh, a, a an executive order or in a resolution, those are the pieces of evidence you are laying out um, to justify whatever action you're about to take. And so the beginning of the resolution, the resolution or the executive order, it starts out whereas this and the other thing and whereas that and whereas there's a lot of people coming across the border and whereas they're creating a lot of problems and whereas this, whereas the other thing, sometimes there can be 10 or 15 whereases on there. And then after all the whereases, we get to the next statement. And the next statement is therefore. So what does therefore mean? Well, you've gone through all the reasons you're about to do something, and then the therefore is the action item. So you go, whereas this, whereas that, whereas the other thing, you lay out your evidence, your complaints, your grievances, whatever you want to call them, and then you end up saying, therefore, and then following therefore, you lay out the actions you are about to take. Now think about this, a resolution without the action at the bottom, well, it's no longer a resolution, is it? Now our Declaration of Independence you can divide it into three different sections if you wish. You can divide it into the first section being the uh, uh, one of the, the, the basically the introduction. Just like uh, your seventh grade English class when you learned how to write a paper. Remember that part? Your first paragraph, you tell them what you're going to tell them in the paper. And then in the last paragraph, you come back and you tell them what you told them, right? It's the introduction at the beginning and the summary at the end. And then the body in the middle is where the where your stuff is. That's, that's what you're intending to write about. And so let's take a look at the Declaration of Independence. We have the opening two very large paragraphs that, of course, the first one starts out, when in the course of human events it becomes necessary, blah, blah, blah. 
The second paragraph is we hold these truths to be self-evident, and so you're familiar with that part. And in the Declaration of Independence, they go through in these opening paragraphs explaining what they are about to do. All right, so it's the introduction to the body. It is the beginning of the uh, of the paper that is about to be written. Then the middle part has what we call the grievances. And I believe there's 27 grievances. Now, if you compare it to an executive order or to a resolution like we were just talking about, that would be the whereas is. The whereas. So, whereas he has refused his assent to laws, the most wholesome and necessary for the public good, whereas he has forbidden his governors to pass laws of immediate and pressing importance. Now, they didn't put the whereas in there, but this is what, this is the body. These are the whereases, and there's 27 of them. All right, and these are the grievances, the things that we're upset together. He has called together uh, legislative bodies at places unusual. He has dissolved representative houses repeatedly. And, of course, they're talking about the King of Great Britain and his uh, history of repeated injuries and usurpations. All right, and so you go through all of these um, uh, grievances, all the whereases, and then you get to the end. When you get to the end, guess what? They have a therefore. It says, we, therefore, the representatives of the United States of America in general Congress assembled, appealing to the supreme judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions do in the name and by authority of the good people of these colonies solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states, that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved and that as free and independent states they have the full power to levy war, conclude peace, contract alliances, establish commerce, and to do all other acts and things which independent states may have right do. And for the support of this direct declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honors. So if we break down the Declaration of Independence in the same way we would break down a resolution or in the same way you would write a seventh grade uh, book report. All right, we break it down in the same way. And so you have to have all three parts of it. You have to have the beginning that explains why we're about to do what we're about to do, the introductory paragraph. You have to have then your list of grievances. And at the end, you then, after you've gone through all the whereases, all your grievances, the last item is the action item. Therefore, we are going to declare our independence. We're going to break the bonds between us and the king. Now, where am I going with all of this? Where I'm going is the following. Over and over on a daily basis, on a regular basis, I get lots of grievances from people. I get emails, I get letters, I get phone calls, I have conversations with people. In fact, I'm not special. 
you're going to see how you and I have this in common. How many times have you sat around, uh, you know, either sitting at the bar or the coffee table or the, the kitchen table or, or over the tailgate, and you've stood there with your friend and you started talking about, what's this world coming to? Next thing you know, cats will be sleeping with dogs. And, and, and you know, we're, it's not ever going to be the same. And we've got all these complaints and we'll stand there and we'll complain about the border and we'll complain about the vaccine mandates and we'll complain about uh, what they're teaching our kids in school and the list goes on and on in fact there's some experts out there you know, some of my listeners and some of the people that attend uh, the Fredericksburg Tea Party meetings are experts at these grievances. Man, I'm telling you what, they'll put in a blog, they'll list every one of the grievances, and by the time you're done reading that letter, your your blood pressure is up and, and, and the whistle is blowing on the kettle and 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 all that you're man i am so stinking mad i can't believe that joe biden did this i can't believe that joe biden did that i can't believe abbott did this that and the other thing and we get all worked up and we're so angry you realize that all of that conversation is the whereases those are all the grievances those are all the things we're upset about and what's missing What's missing is the last paragraph, the therefore. Therefore what? So you're around the tailgate with your friend, and uh, you're having a cold one on Friday afternoon, and you've gone through this whole list, and, and, and you, you mentioned something, and your buddy mentions the next thing, and, and, and man, you both, you're all fired up, and next thing you know, you're talking about Biden, and then Harris, and then Abbott, and the border, and, and, and these crazy COVID shots, and all the restrictions, and the power of the city government, and then, and then you stop. What is it? There's no therefore? See, that's what's missing. I get a whole lot of whereases from people all the time. In fact, if you go on Facebook, if you go onto the Twitter and you start digging around, that's what you get is a bunch of grievances and no action. All right? Now, it's, it's great. We need to talk about these things. That's important. I don't have a problem with that. But, but the, the whining and the complaining and the listing of the grievances must be followed with, therefore, what are you going to do about it? Do you feel powerless? If you feel powerless, keep listening to this program because you're not powerless. You actually have a tremendous amount of power. We just haven't exercised it in so long. We don't even know how to use it. We don't even know where those muscles are anymore. They're muscles we even forgot we had. In fact, even your representatives and your senators and your congressmen, they don't know about these muscles either. And so you, you start calling your representative and you, you give them all your grievances. You know, they're, they're going to be nice to you. But at the end of the day, they're, this is, uh, <laughs> they're not used to hearing it either. And so what are the, what are the therefores? What is it you're going to do? If you're upset about the border, what can you do? Well, obviously, you can't go down to the border, right, and stand there with a rifle. I mean, I guess you could. I wouldn't suggest it. I think it'd be a pretty dumb move, but you could go do that. All right? You could go do that. Let's think about something more sensible. Call your call Governor Abbott. 
Tell them we're sick and tired of this. If Abbott had a thousand phone calls a day that we're sick and tired about this border situation, and you know you've got an election coming up, maybe he would get something moving a little bit faster. Um, I was looking at a report on the border yesterday, and uh, Abbott had laid out the schedule. And every step of the schedule was going to take like 30 days. All right, well, we're going to start construction on the wall, but first you have to do this, and that takes 30 days. Then you have to do the next thing, and that takes 30 days. And then you have to do the next thing, and that takes 30 days. And so I'm looking at that thinking, he's not even going to get one stick of wall up before his term is even over. So Abbott needs some phone calls. So what, what else can you do? You know, just start attending some of your local Patriot groups. We've got some great ones in Kerrville. Of course, we have the Fredericksburg Tea Party in Fredericksburg. We have been doing this. The Fredericksburg Tea Party has been doing this for many years now. We have the action items for you. We can put you to work. But when you get tired of just listing the grievances... When you get tired of just listening, uh, listening the whereas is, whereas this and whereas that, at some point you have to get to the therefore. I am going to, and you get up and you do something. All right, you are not powerless. You have a tremendous amount of power. You need to start wielding it. Our representatives, our senators, our congressmen, they need to start getting used to hearing from us on a regular basis over and over, right? And Abbott needs to start hearing from us over and over. We need to let Abbott know that we do want something done at the border. We do want our property tax relief. You know, when it comes to your property taxes, did you go to Fredericksburg last night to the planning uh, uh, event for the city taxes in Fredericksburg? I mean, just attending one of those events is making a difference. All right, going, educating yourself, listening. When you're there, more people that are there and they're, boy, that makes those guys nervous. That makes them nervous when they see a lot of people in the room. They're not used to it. Your city council and your county commissioners, they mostly meet in fairly small to medium-sized rooms. We should be in the habit of, of 100 or people or more attending every one of those county commissioners and city council meetings. You should be at every one of them. They should know that there's a hundred citizens every single time out there that are listening to what they're talking about. You don't have to go anything. You don't have to go wave a sign. You don't have to go get mean and nasty. You don't have to yell at anybody. You don't have to wear a, you know, a matching t-shirt. Just go. Just be there. Just be there. Start getting yourself informed. Folks, uh, we're going to take a short break, and uh, we will be right back.
right, we are back. Thank you so much for staying tuned. By the way, you can get this uh, program on uh, in a podcast form on Spotify. Check it out, The Matt Long Show on Spotify. Um, have you ever heard about the Holy Experiment? I'm going to be reading from a, a, a passage uh, from the Founder's Bible. It's not a biblical passage. It is one of the cool things about the Founder's Bible is that it has so many other extra materials in it, most of it written by David Barton, but along with a few other people as well, but we all know David Barton. So I'm going to give you, uh, read to you the Holy Experiment, which comes from, uh, it, it accompanies 1 Corinthians uh, 13. In eight, in, we'll, we'll start all over. In 1681, King Charles II handed over 45,000 square miles of his American land holdings, which included present-day Pennsylvania and Delaware, to William Penn to satisfy a debt the king owed to Penn's father. What might one do with such land? Penn's response was, Let us see what love can do. Penn understood all too well the opposite of love, which is coercion. He had been expelled from Oxford University for boycotting Anglican services and then been beaten with a cane by his father for his faith as a Quaker. Later he was imprisoned in England twice for his faith. While imprisoned in the Tower of London for eight months, he wrote his classic book, No Cross, No Crown. Having formulated forward-looking ideas about human equality and shared community resources, Penn was convinced that he could construct a, quote, holy experiment, close quote, aiming for a social contract that would bind and respect all residents based on the principle of Christian love. In 1682, he established Pennsylvania as a colony where people of all faiths were free to worship and practice their religion. He printed advertisements in six different languages and sent them across Europe. Soon, Quakers, Mennonites, Lutherans, Dunkards, do you know what a Dunkard is? That's the Church of the Brethren, Amish, Moravians, Huguenots, the Huguenots were French Protestants. Catholics and Jews began arriving from England, Sweden, Wales, Germany, Scotland, Ireland, and Holland. That atmosphere of religious openness ultimately paved the way for the world's first African-American Christian denomination, the African Methodist Episcopal Church. He also drafted a frame of government to provide for a democratic system with freedom of religion, free and fair trials, freedom from unjust imprisonment, freedom of the press, the right to own property, free elections, and representatives of the people, and a separation of powers. All ideas that would later form the basis of the American Constitution. However, Pennsylvania's charter restricted the right to vote and to hold political office to Protestants. Huh. Equal justice and treatment for all was extended to the Native Americans, including contractual relationships for acquiring land at fair prices. Penn respected the Susquehannock 
Shawnee and Lenny Lenape nations so much that he learned their languages, entered their lands unarmed and unescorted, and won their trust. A businessman as well, Penn had a vision that included a great town, a bustling commercial center that would capture the world's respect, which he named Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. He also wanted it to be a green country town. So he hired surveyor Thomas Holm to lay out a grid to accomplish this with parks and central squares to be a focus of community. It's little wonder that Philadelphia became the signing place of the Declaration of Independence and Constitution, the nation's first capital, as well as having the first lending library, first bank, first hospital, and first stock exchange. So there you go, a little bit out of uh, the Founder's Bible. I'm not sure who wrote this particular article, but uh, very likely it sounds like David Barton. Folks, um, we will see you back here tomorrow. Stay tuned for Lorraine. Buckle up, buckle down. Whatever she tells you to do, I would suggest following directions.